in Matthew 6, verses 1 to 18. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, as hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father, who is unseen. And your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Uh, thanks, Sam. Uh, we'll do keep that passage open. Uh, uh, lots in this passage, has got, it's got a lot to do with hypocrisy, and I, I thought we could start with an illustration. I was trying to think of a few people I could invite to the front. So, um, I got your attention, didn't I? Uh, let me pray as we uh, begin. Uh, Father, we all uh, show hypocrisy at times. Uh, well, that joke probably made us all a bit nervous. Maybe it's me. Uh, so we pray that we today, as we think about your word, would remember that we come to you poor in spirit. We don't earn our salvation. We receive it by grace, simply by acknowledging our sin and coming to you in repentance and belief. And for that, we praise you. So speak to us now through your word, we pray. Amen. Uh, well, uh, verse one in today's passage gives away the big punchline. So we're, we're going to start there. Uh, it says this, uh, chapter six, verse one. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your father in heaven. Uh, do you notice Jesus tells his disciples here to be careful? They're to be careful not to do this. Uh, in other words, it's easy to slip into this problem. Be careful. Uh, you know, maybe the church treasurer notices uh, you're a generous financial giver to the church, or, or someone compliments you for how well you did the prayers in the service, or how godly your attitude was in a, in a difficult com conversation with someone. And it's not long before uh, we're being righteous 
uh, meaning we, we want to do the right thing before God, according to his commands. But it's not long before we're doing those things, not for God, but because of the ama- and because of the amazing grace he's shown us, but because people will think quite highly of us, won't they? Think, Look at him, he did that really well. Be careful, says Jesus. Notice he also says, practice your righteousness. So we'll be careful that, uh, we've got to be careful about this. He also says, practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. In other words, uh, our godliness, our righteousness, uh, it is going to be seen by others. I mean, we can't hide everything we do for Christ away in a cupboard. But it shouldn't be done so that it is seen, to be seen by others. In other words, if we do something uh, for God, that's one thing. But if we do something so that other people see us do it, that's another. Uh, and I was trying to think of a, a way to summarize this, and I couldn't do much better than the book title of, by uh, R.T. Kendall, a Christian author. Uh, and he writes a whole book on this idea. It's called uh, An Audience of One. And he bases his book on John 5, verse 44. Uh, the verse is on the screen. Uh, this is the verse from John. How can you believe since you accept glory from one another? but do not seek the glory that comes from the only God. It's the same idea, isn't it? If you only behave in a godly, in a righteous or or a Christian way, so that others think you're great, then you received your reward in full, says Jesus. You're living for self and you've got everything you're going to get. An audience of mankind, of each other, serves our own ego rather than an audience of one, God, which only serves his glory and his name alone. Uh, Now, of course, in Jesus' time, as he's speaking to his disciples, the Pharisees are the example uh, of those who are seeking their own glory from others. Uh, Jesus points this out time and time again. And we saw uh, in the previous passage last week, which Tim took us through, how they obeyed the law of God as like a tick box exercise uh, so that they look good. Look at me, I've ticked all these boxes so that they can look down on other people a bit holier than thou, but they'd miss the point. Uh, So uh, last week we had three tick box, we had tick box exercises from the law. This week, Jesus has focused more on the sort of practice of Christian living. Uh, And he gives three examples Uh, of righteous acts that the Pharisees are practicing as hypocrites. Uh, So he covers giving to the poor, uh, praying, and fasting. Uh, These were actually the three markers in Jesus' time of a really holy or righteous person. Someone who did these three things was considered to be at the top of their game in religious terms. But Jesus' big point here is that God's not actually interested in uh, legalism but loyalty. See, legalism thinks that we're earning God's favor. If I give enough money, I pray impressively before others, and I fast, and everyone knows about it, if I'm quite good and special, then I've earned my salvation. That's legalism. Loyalty may do all of those things, but we do them simply because we know that God loves us, and therefore we love him. We're, We're loyal to him. So Jesus calls for loyalty, not legalism. And the test as to whether we're obeying 
God legalistically or loyally is whom our audience is. That's his whole point. Who are you doing it for? Other people or for God alone? So let's see what those look like in these three marks of righteousness in Jesus's day. Number one, giving to the needy. Have a look at verse two. <coughs> so when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the, street, on, on the streets to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. They're doing the correct thing, but for the wrong reasons. An audience has seen what they've done and rewarded them with recognition and a big head. But, verse 3, but when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. One person saw this type of giving. Instead, be righteous, not just in action, but in heart, says Jesus. Uh, in this example, giving to the needy ought to be done in secret, so much so that your right hand doesn't know what your left hand is doing, let alone people around you. Uh, I mean, of course, practically, we're going to have to speak to our spouse we might have to fill out a form, probably have to do a gift aid form. We're probably going to have to speak to the person where we're sending the money. We, 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 it can't be completely secret. But there's no big announcements. There's no flashiness. There's no seeking recognition of others as this goes on. Because we're motivated by an audience of one, our Heavenly Father. And our reward is in him. And life eternal before us, not in other people's opinions of us. I think it's actually also possible, though, isn't it, to give secretly, but still with a wrong heart motive. Uh, our current cultures are very good at this, I think. Uh, it's all about making sure you're true to yourself. Make, make sure you're special and number one. Do, do what's right for you. So we might feel good about giving money to someone, and that's why we give. So I'm true to myself. I, I'm, I'm quite special. I, no one needs to know about this, but I feel good about it. But I think it, Jesus even addresses uh, this. He obviously knew our culture was coming, and I think that's what he means by the left hand not knowing what the right hand is doing. He addresses this idea of self-worth found in our own actions. You don't give with the right hand to make your left hand feel good about it. You give with your right hand, your left hand has nothing to do with it. We're not special or worthy. That's legalism. If we're just doing it to make ourselves feel good. No, we give with a motive of grateful thanks and joy to the Father God who loves us. For no other reason. And that is loyalty. So that's giving to the needy. Two, uh, prayer. Have a look at verse five. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. They say they're praying to God. So why the loud voices standing on the streets? Instead, says Jesus, seek an audience of one when you pray. Verse six, when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. 
an audience of one. Then your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Uh, I wonder if we pray only when others are watching or listening. Perhaps we only really pray at prayer meetings or in our home groups. Well, that says something about why we pray and who we're praying for, doesn't it? That's legalism. Look, I'm, I'm doing the right thing so that I must be saved. We only do it because we're told it's right. or We, we want others to value us. You're a good Christian. Look, look, you're praying well. Praying is a good thing to do, but it is the heart motivation that counts, says Jesus. Uh, Jesus isn't dismissing praying in uh, groups, or church prayer meetings, or from the front of our services. He's simply addressing the heart. Who, who are you praying to? The Pharisees are standing on the street corners to draw attention to themselves. Look how amazing I am. It's not talking about a corporate prayer that encourages everyone in a church building. He's addressing the heart. And if, like the Pharisees, we only pray to be seen by others so that perhaps they think you're super holy, well, then we've received our reward in full, says Jesus. But if we're praying secretly, privately, honestly, out of love for God in our hearts, enjoying his love, well, that is loyalty for all that he's done for us and all that he holds before us. Uh, of course, there's other dangers uh, when we pray. Uh, even in private prayer, it can be done with a wrong heart. Uh, Jesus seems to touch on this in verse 7. When you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they'll be heard because of their many words. So now they are talking to a God, but do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Uh, the pagans of the day, meaning non-Jews, people who didn't believe in the one true God of the Bible, uh, they would just babble on and on and on, as if enough uh, bending of God's ear would help him to hear. That's legalism. I have to do it. If I say the right things, I get the right words. If I go on long enough, I'll convince God that I'm worthy. But loyalty trusts that God already knows everything that we need. We don't need to convince him or bend his arm. We just need to talk to him. He's our loving heavenly father. He wants to hear us talk, to express our love for him, to express our trust in him and his ways, whatever happens, and simply to bring our needs for him simply. Uh, Jesus then gives a great example of what that might look like in the Lord's Prayer. Uh, and it's a model of a loyal prayer life. Uh, it's such a remarkable prayer that, as I said earlier, we'll actually devote a whole week to it uh, next week. Uh, so we'll move on for now. Uh, we'll return to that prayer next week. So number three, fasting. Have a look at verse 16. When you fast, do not, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. Oh, poor me. I'm so hungry and tired. I've got a headache. Oh, what's, what's wrong? Oh, I've just been fasting for a good solid seven or eight minutes. Um, <laughs> it shows it's a show for an audience, isn't it? 
Look how good a Christian I am. I'm, I'm fasting away. I'm, I'm earning God's favor. And that's legalism. Loyalty fasts simply for an audience of one. Verse 17. When you fast, put oil on your head, wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your father, an audience of one who is unseen, and your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Fasting is a good thing to do, but only with the right heart motive. Uh, it's interesting, a lot of study on fasting in the New Testament. There's not actually much on fasting uh, in the Bible. There's very little in the New Testament. And it's often that uh, the conclusions people reach uh, is actually that fasting is not necessarily just about food uh, today. Uh, Jesus already explained how he's fulfilled the whole Old Testament law. So if we're commanded by law to fast, Jesus has fulfilled that in and of himself. It's a bit like we saw uh, the topics last week. Uh, murdering someone is bigger than just murdering. There's a big principle at stake, and that's one of anger. So fasting's not just about food. It's now about giving up much, taking up our cross daily, following Jesus. And we're not to do that, to show off to everyone how amazing we are. Well, look at all that we've sacrificed for Christ. But we should sacrifice comfort and time and family and money all for Jesus. We should fast all things our entire life. In fact, our, our whole life, this side of heaven, becomes a fast for the Lord Jesus. If you remember with his disciples, he said, they don't need to fast because I'm with them. But when I'm gone, they're going to fast. Their whole life is a fast for God until the bridegroom Jesus returns. Fasting is designed to show us uh, our reliance on God, our sacrifice, our recognition of poverty and our need for him to supply all that we need. So the principle is far more than eating. I mean, that's the point he's objecting to, isn't it? If we think we fast and that will save us, that's legalism. But loyalty gives our whole life and heart to Jesus. And all of that is done for an audience of one. Uh, so what does uh, loyalty, not legalism, for, look like for us? Uh, it's a challenge, isn't it, as we read through these uh, verses and think about what it means today. Uh, what if no one noticed any righteous thing you ever did? It's a big question, isn't it? What if they didn't notice that you weren't attending church on a Sunday? What if they didn't call you up because you missed a home group? What if they didn't notice that you weren't coming to the prayer meetings anymore? What if uh, they didn't notice that they hadn't seen your, church, your name on the church giving list? What if they didn't notice that you'd spent some time with someone who's really struggling, who's grieving or suffering? What if no one noticed that you, you, you kept yourself from anger or lust? What if no one noticed that you were persevering in a difficult marriage? What if no one noticed that you, you were keeping yourself from false promises? What if no one noticed that you weren't being stingy? What if no one thanked you for leading in Sunday school? 
What if no one appreciated you for staying a bit late and stacking chairs? What if no one noticed or praised you for any of those things? Would we do them? Be careful, says Jesus, that we are not practicing our righteousness to be seen by others. For there is no reward for us if that is the case. I'll perhaps think of it another way. How how does our private life, our thoughts and our actions, when no one is watching, how do they compare to our public life? Are we living for the glory and the reward of other people? Or are we living for the glory of one, the Lord God Almighty? Are, Are we legalists doing things, doing the right things because... They'll get us right with God. People will notice. We'll be impressive. We'll prove that we're holy enough. Or are we doing those things because we are loyal to our loving and gracious God? Uh, R.T. Kendall, who wrote uh, the book uh, that I've nicked the title from, uh, says this. I think it's on the screen. My life verse has largely been John 5, 44, which we read earlier, gripping me as a teenager, although I never... I would never say I've lived up to it. He's still poor in spirit. This is the verse. How can you believe since you accept glory from one another, but do not seek the glory that comes from the only God? I'm afraid I have been too concerned about what people think of me rather than what God thinks of me. Be careful, says Jesus. Be righteous. Obey God, yes, but not as a hypocrite. The big point Jesus is making, there needs to be a link between our heart and our actions. Doing the right right thing for the wrong reasons is pointless. God wants loyalty. He wants all of our efforts and affections and thoughts and actions for him alone. For he has bought them with the blood of Jesus. He wants our gaze to be fixed on him not impressing those around us. And why wouldn't we be loyal to our audience of one, to our heavenly father? We need to remember the context of this sermon of Jesus's, because loyalty to God is, is not a, a chore or, or, a, or something depressing, or it's a joy and a delight. It's, it's, a loyalty that can overcome all of our selfish ambitions and desires. And uh, we're told why right at the beginning of the sermon, the the first thing Jesus says, chapter five, verse three, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The poor in spirit do not pray loudly on the street corners. They, They do not impress us with their eloquent and unusual words on a Sunday morning. They don't brag about how much money they gave. The poor in spirit don't just give a little of something just to appear on a list, knowing it's unlikely anyone will actually know what's going on. The poor in spirit don't tell you how sacrificial they've been this week. They don't boast about all the things they've given up for Jesus, be that food or time or opportunity. They don't serve in church just to be thanked and recognised. The poor in spirit rightly know that They are nothing. We we are worthy of nothing. 
we are poor in spirit before God. And yet, we realize we receive absolutely everything. We inherit the kingdom of God by coming empty-handed. God doesn't love us because we look great or we do great or we behave great. He loves us because we recognize we have nothing to give him. We're poor. I gave the illustration before. It's, it's like a toddler coming to their parent with a, an empty hand, grubby and dirty, and they receive everything they need. So we are before God Almighty. A toddler remains ever trusting and loyal to their parent, don't they? So we remain trusting and loyal to our Heavenly Father. A, a toddler doesn't care what the other mums and dads think of them. They don't even care what the other kids around them think of them at a toddler stage. They only have eyes for the security and love of their parents. So it is with us and God. Only our Heavenly Father is not an earthly parent. He is more wonderful than any parent that has ever lived. He's far more generous. He's far more rewarding. He's far more wonderful. For in our emptiness, in our poverty, in our sin, in our death, in our poverty of spirit, in our empty hand, he reached down into history. He came from all the riches and the glory of heaven, and he emptied himself of all his power to become our friend and our brother, to become our Lord and our saviour. He became a man, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And he reminded the disciples, as he's reminding us today and all those through history, that we'll never be good enough for him, but we are loved enough by him. Come, poor in spirit, to him. Repent and believe in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins and receive reward eternal. Come, poor in spirit, to him when we feel overlooked for our service in church. Come, poor in spirit, to him when we think about why we should obey his words. Come, poor in spirit, to him when we're tempted to do things to be seen by others. Come, poor in spirit to him, when depression tells us we don't have any hope anymore. We are wholeheartedly grateful for this new life, for the forgiveness we have in him, wholeheartedly expectant and joyful for the eternal life to come, wholeheartedly joyful at his grace and his compassion in our life now and forevermore, so that we only look to him. We only look to please him. We only look to bring glory to his name and not our own. Uh, mistakes will be made. Valleys of spiritual pain will be walked through. Trials to test us will come. Sins that are hard to shake will be there. But we hold on to our poverty. And therefore we hold on to our reward in Christ. And therefore we can be loyal to our wonderful Lord Jesus. Three times, Jesus says, after each of these examples, then your father who sees what is done in secret will 
reward you. How good to live a life of spiritual poverty for an audience of one with a promise of great reward. Let's choose loyalty today and every day. Let's pray. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Father, change us, remind us of your great love for us. Show us how we bring nothing to you empty-handed, and yet we receive everything in return. Change our lives and our hearts so that we do all things for your glory, for you alone, an audience of one. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.